Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. In 1983, after decades of steady deterioration, writer and theologian John Hull became totally blind. To help him make sense of his upheaval in his life, he began documenting his experiences on audio cassettes. Following the Emmy award-winning short film of the same name, Notes on Blindness takes a creative approach to the documentary form. Actors lip-sync to the voices of the family, embedding John's original audio recordings within the compelling cinematography and textured sound design and the result is a poetic intimate story of loss rebirth and transformation documenting john's extraordinary journey into a world beyond sight we are joined today by the co-directors of this terrific documentary called notes on blindness and that would be peter middleton and james spinney gentlemen welcome to film school thank you so much for for taking the time to to speak with us mike yeah oh it's an honor to have you on this is a really fantastic documentary i, I don't mean I'm in in terms of story in terms of the creativity involved the look of it so many things about this film that are really exceptionally well done and i'm honored to have you both on here today to talk about it let's start with the sort of the genesis of your involvement in the life of john hull and um and his wife um tell us a little uh, peter i'll start with you how did you yeah. how did you get to know about Marilyn and John Hall, what was the uh, sort of the way in on this story? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it was about six years ago now. Uh, myself and James were sort of researching various kind of first-person testimonies on blindness. We had uh, notions of making a, uh, a slightly different short film um, about the blind experience of, of, of snow and, and, and weather. Um, and we were reading around really and we came across that John's book, a book as you say called Touching the Rock that was published in the early 90s and it, it reads very much like a diary and it is um, in effect a kind of uh, you know, a, a, a transcript of these, um, these audio tapes that John had kept in the, in the early 1980s um, and we were immediately struck I suppose by, by the depth of his, his inquiry um, the way he was able to articulate and communicate something of the sight loss experience was really um, really, uh, we found very compelling and, and, and really quite profound. Um, and it is quite a, a, a journey. It, it, um, it, it covers everything from um, from the, the sort of physical challenges of of how to how to cross a road, um, how to communicate with strangers, the, the emotional challenges of not um, of losing eye contact with those that you love. Um, his incredible dreaming life, his rich dreaming life that John John experienced in the first few years of sight loss, um, and of course his his experience and changes in in, in his uh, sensory. Um, uh, world as well. So we, we, we thought it was uh, in, incredible material, and, and we reached out to John, and um, and he was generous enough to share with us uh, the tapes. And we'd spend a lot of time with with John and with his his wonderful wife Marilyn, of course. Um, and we made a series of little short films initially um, that gradually sort of grew and grew and allowed us to get the kind of the momentum behind the project and 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 the support we needed to uh, to make the feature. And yeah, we shot it last uh, last year and. It, it, it opened in New York uh, last Wednesday and in LA today, and uh, it's spreading out around around the US. Um, we hope over the next few weeks. Yeah. Well, James, um, 
in terms of just gaining confidence, uh, uh, John, obviously, because John Hall was committed to kind of understanding for his own purposes, understanding what he was now facing and and trying to figure out a way to deal with this in his life. Um, what what was it like for you to sort of gain his particular confidence in terms of the confidence in you to tell the story that he felt that he wanted to tell? Yeah, well, um, it's, it's, it's a process that took a number of years. You know, it, uh, there was about a three-year development process where we kind of were uh, building that relationship with John and Marilyn. Um, mm-hmm. But we were struck from the start at how generous um, both of them were in, in sharing what was at the time a, a difficult process of, of transformation, I think. Um, uh, but I think, you know, John's motivations for publishing his account were very much a hope that, you know, by communicating his experiences of sight loss, it might be of help to other people, um, both perhaps sighted people who might um, be looking for an insight into into that experience, and perhaps even for other blind people, who uh, other people who might be undergoing sight loss themselves. Um, but um, because, as you say, actually, John began keeping the diary as very much a personal document. He felt at the time that if he didn't learn to understand it, he felt that blindness could could destroy him. And so his process was to kind of take you know, to focus on every aspect. So, as Pete mentioned, what it might mean to lose eye contact, to lose smiles. Um, And he'd fixate on the things that kind of perhaps frightened or bewildered him at that time um, and try and understand them. Um, And over time, what started as a kind of an account of of, of grieving, that that loss of sight, in time becomes actually um, an account of discovery as John sort of comes to reconsider blindness um, and to the point where by the end, actually, of the diaries, he's even come to view uh, blindness as, as something of a gift. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I think John was always conscious that perhaps sharing his experiences could could be um, uh, yeah could be helpful to other people. And we feel extremely lucky that you know that he chose to share them uh, with us. Well, well, James, I'm going to ask you and Peter weigh in if you if you will. Uh, was there a moment? Was there a was there a day or a, a time when as because there's it's I'm I'm you're I assume you're sighted I'm sighted being introduced into a world that is extremely difficult to imagine was there a moment was there a day was there a particular conversation that you James had with John in the making of this film where you felt like you you connected in understanding where where he was in terms of the his journey uh, with with blindness is there some moment or or then Peter weigh in if you will as well. Yeah. Well, um, there's there's a particular passage in John's in John's diary actually, um, which became uh, which we interesting which we were immediately kind of mesmerised by, and it actually became the first sort of short film that we ended up making, yeah. which is a passage about um, the sound of falling rain. Um, it comes by this point John had been had been blind for a couple of years, but he'd felt quite isolated I think from the outside world and felt um, felt quite cut off. At that point, he said that he he didn't feel that he was. He was blind at that point. He felt that essentially he was a sighted person who was unable to see. Um, and so I think, you know, he was early in this, in this process of transformation. But he stopped one day at the door, and, um, and it was raining outside. And, and he begins to talk about how, how pausing to listen. He noticed how the different patterns of falling rain around him, the sound of the rain above him on the roof, and moving down onto the cars and the, and the, and the pavement below, create a very sort of textured and, and multi-layered sort of soundscape. Um, and these different textures, you know, 
heard together almost bring the world back into three dimensions again for him. And this becomes a really crucial passage, for, uh, a crucial moment for him in terms of um, moving towards acoustic experience, becoming, kind of becoming a, a, a prominent sensory way of experiencing space and, um, and the outside world for him. And um, I think, you know, we, I remember feeling extremely, um, you know, uh, uh, fascinated and moved. I think we both were by that passage, and it, and it became a, a kind of key key scene in the eventual film as well. Yeah, I mean, and John was such a... Um, sadly, John passed away last year in, in July whilst we were filming, um, a couple of weeks into filming. But he was such a gregarious and, uh, and, and, and warm personality that spending time with him, which, you know, we, we'd, we'd periodically go up to visit them. We live in, in London and, and, and they live in Birmingham, so it's a couple of hours away. Um, and, and every few months we go and spend time with them, try and tease out more um, more information from them, I suppose, about their about their lives and about this period of, of John's sight loss in, in the 1980s. And they were incredibly welcoming, and, and, and just spending time with him was a, was an enormous privilege. He was, um, yeah, he was a wonderful character, and, 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 and it was, yeah, there was so many moments, I suppose, yeah. um, that we look back on very fondly. It was a, it was a real privilege to, to have known him. Well, let, let, let me remind our listeners, we're speaking with Peter Middleton and um, James Finney, the co-directors of the film Notes on Blindness. This is a, in addition to sort of John and Marilyn's story, let's get into sort of the, the making of this uh, wonderful documentary. Uh, you, do, you use some interest, very interesting techniques in order to tell the story. Uh, and and it's shot. A lot of it is is it's a darker hue of of a color palette for the film, which is appropriate. Everything about this film is is I, it's it's a very uh, nuanced film. It's a very uh, the, it's a very experiential film. It not just because of the dialogue and the way you did it, but also the soundscaping of it. There there's so many things. There's so many elements in this. My my hats off to you. Because it's an exceedingly difficult subject to try and pull an audience into, and I think you guys succeeded beautifully in it. But um, let, let's let's talk about it. Let's talk about the decision to bring in actors to portray John and Marilyn and explain a little bit about the technique involved in that. Um, go ahead. Either, either one, please. Well, um, well, thank you so much for those kind words about the film. Um, yeah, I, I think early on we recognized – so. At first, John, when John shared his audio recordings with us, um, you know, it was, of course, imperative that this be a story that's told in, in John's voice, in his own words, um, and that those recordings would have to be front and center. Um, but at the same time, you know, these events happened 30 years ago, um, and also it's, a, it's an extremely internal journey that John describes, um, one, in, one that involves his dreaming life, his memories, his imaginative world, and also kind of, um, uh, it also focuses a lot about perception. Um, so I think we're immediately struck by the sort of creative problem of um, of how to kind of join John on this journey that he that he describes in such rich um, and poetic detail. Um, so early on, we kind of came across the idea that, that all the voices in the film would be from these recordings. Um, and as well as John's audio diaries, um, the family were also recording um, recording just life around the house as well. M much as you might film home movies, um, the family would set up tape recorders around the house and record, you know, um, bedtime stories, Christmases, birthdays, even taking the recorder out on a trip to Australia to visit John's parents. So that meant that also, as well as knowing the family through through John's account, through his diary recordings, we also had all their voices on tape. Um, 
And so we came across the idea um, of, of using actors who would, who would actually lip sync to, um, to these recorded voices. So visually, it would be a kind of creative interpretation, but um, the audio would be essentially kind of a, doc a, a documentary. Um, it was informed partly by a, a wonderful film, a British film called The Arbor um, mm -hmm. by Cleo Bernard, um, which uses the same technique. Um, and it really kind of liberated the scope of it and allowed us to follow John on that on that internal journey, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, but it's um, it's a process that was very much a collaboration with you know our cinematographer Jerry Floyd and um, you know our production designer Damien Craig, in terms of trying to find a visual style that could sort of um, that could somehow suggest or, or evoke this process. Um, there was a lot of thinking about what the limitations should be, actually, and what the camera shouldn't be allowed to do. So um, generally it was filmed on kind of longer lenses, and, you know, we tried not to use wide establishing shots. Um, and you mentioned the kind of the lighting. Um, we tried to use light quite selectively and kind of have pools of light that dropped off into, into deep shadow. But, yeah, it's a style that, um, that evolved um, through the process of making the short films and was, and was very much a collaboration with all of the wonderful kind of team that we were lucky enough to have working on the film. Well, and and also I want to you know acknowledge the the work of the of the two actors involved in this. And mm -hmm. I'm Dan Skinner, and I've just um, who's the Simone uh, Simone Kirby. Simone Kirby, yeah, just terrific. Just I mean, it, it's yeah. it's a very unusual thing to ask of an actor to do what you asked of them and to be able to do that. It, it, it took a little bit of time. I will be honest with you. It took me a minute to get used to it because I, I didn't, I yeah. really didn't think that was John Hall, although you could, I mean, you could easily believe it, but it, it, it still, it took, it takes a little bit, but once that sort of, you get used to it, if you will, you, you understand what's going on. It really just becomes uh, such a, a great cinematic experience to watch. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we were very fortunate with um, with Dan and Simone. And I mean, actually, as you say, it's quite a peculiar thing to ask of a uh, ask your ask your cast to, to 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 do. And of course, Dan, who was largely performing without the use of his eyes as well, we were also denying him the use of his voice. There's certain uh, certainly a, a restriction to place on any on any actor. Um, but it was an interesting process doing the, the casting. We, um, in effect, so we, so. The way that the project was developed, we, we got to a point um, in sort of pre-production where we had a script for the film and, 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 and in effect a kind of a 90-minute sound edit mm -hmm. that went along with the script. So you could, you could read the script and listen to the audio at the same time. And we sort of parceled up uh, the lines for the actors and, and put in little kind of beeps beforehand to cue them in. Um, and we would have someone on, on set who was kind of hiding behind a piece of furniture or whatever with a laptop, and we recorded no live sound, so we'd just sort of tee up the um, tee up the audio for them, for them to lip sync along to. And um, yeah, it was, just, it was quite a strange process. And there's certain, they, they both really kind of inhabit that voice. And that's what jumped out about them when we saw them in their first kind of casting, um, the first, first time we, we did the casting sessions with them. There's a certain musicality to it, I think, uh, to, to mastering the technique. And, and they were both really threw themselves into it. It was, um, it was a real yeah, joy to work with them both. Absolutely, yeah. and I think um, both Dan and Simone's ability to kind of master that technique, but also for it not to be the kind of dominant aspect of the performance, and the way that they were able to to make it part of a, a much greater sort of emotional performance was yeah. um, was really wonderful. I think. Yeah, it's it's a nuanced performance. It's so like so much of Notes on Blindness. It's it's a nuanced uh, approach to the subject and to the way that the, these performances were 
were put together. Um, I wanted I'll let our listeners know because we mentioned that you're in Los Angeles. I mean that the film is in Los Angeles today, and it's at the Lemley Monica oh. Film Center, and it opens as I, we were talking about today. First screening is at one o'clock, three ten. 520 and 730 so go check that out that's one a wonderful place to go the santa monica uh it's in santa monica on third street it's a terrific film experience so uh, in addition to the fact you're seeing a great film it's a wonderful ambiance around the theater as well so so check that out um in the in the last couple of minutes i have with you i want to talk about john hall because he's a well-known uh theologian uh in fact his his own personal accomplishments are very impressive, including mm. – I want to make sure I get this right. He was uh, a first professor of religious education, in, um, but what did he – an award that he won, the um, – help me out – the Religious Education Association Award, if I got that? Or, yeah. Go ahead. Tell yeah. me a little bit about um, him as, a, as sort of an accomplishment oh, as an academic. He, he, yeah, I mean, he was a very distinguished academic, as you say, and had a career which spanned um, – half a century, I suppose. Um, you know, he was very well regarded in the UK and in, 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 um, in the, uh, as a professor of religious education and as a theologian and was very active across the world, really. Um, he, uh, he won an award for his writing on blindness um, from, from, uh, from the, sort of the leading UK uh, charity, on, uh, blindness charity, the Royal National Institute for the Blind, for his services to literature. Um, in 2012, um, but yeah, he was uh, yeah he was a, a, a fascinating fascinating guy and uh, yeah yeah absolutely and um, we should also mention that we've just finished making another short film um, which is called Radio H which was the name of um, John's eldest daughter Imogen's sort of fictional radio show which which you see glimpses of in the film um, and that short uh, which is online um, on the Arte Arte France website. Mm-hmm. Um, for free. Um, that, that film actually kind of catches up in the latter years of John's life after, after Notes on Blindness. We leave Notes on Blindness in kind of 1986 with John kind of looking forward to the future. And this short film sort of catches up to uh, what, what, what John got up to in the, in, the, in the last decades of his life, including his active um, uh, work in kind of protest. Um, he was a, a real campaigner for nuclear disarmament. Um, he actually got arrested in his 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so. Yeah. Well, and also let's let's point people to the website notesonblindness.rte.tv, and it will take you to the site. And there's a whole bunch of information, a ton of information, as well as something called virtual reality. I I know that there. I mean, through this film, you can find out more about all kinds of things related to blindness and issues surrounding that. But tell us a little bit about that as well. Um, as far as the work is... Yeah. Um, so the virtual reality experience, um, which kind of premiered alongside the film at Sundance and has been touring with the film, um, and which is also available um, to download for free from iTunes and Google Play and the Oculus Store, it's a kind of six-chapter experience that, that uses John's audio recordings from his diary. So John narrates the experience. But it's very much about his kind of sensory and, and perceptual sort of um, development that he describes, I suppose, during, during his, um, uh, in his diaries. Um, particularly the, the awakening 
awakening of, um, of what he describes as, as an awareness of acoustic space, um, which touches on that rainfall passage that we were talking about yeah. a moment earlier, you know, getting a sense of, um, of shape and depth and dimension through sound. Um, and so this chapter, this sort of six-chapter experience um, uses binaural audio, which kind of mimics human hearing um, and tethers that to sort of um, animation um, in, in, on the visual sort of plane to sort of um, to try and get at this idea, yeah, of, um, of, 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 a, of a sound um, a sound experience. Um, and yeah, as we say, it's, um, we see them as kind of complementary um, entry points to, to John's account, and we're interested in how, um, how they kind of provide different um, ways into to John's descriptions of blindness. And that's, um, if, if any of your listeners have uh, virtual reality headsets, it's available um, for, to download from the Oculus Store for Samsung Gear. Um, it's also available as a Google Cardboard version um, and for iOS as well. So it's in, and that's that's free. Um, so yeah, do check it out. The, um, the and just as one clarification, the the website that you, you just mentioned, uh, Mike, is, yeah. is actually the French website, which does have. Uh, lots of information on there. There's also a U.S. website at blindnessmovie.com, which oh. has listings of where it's playing in the states. Okay, bl- um, bl- so that might be more slightly more relevant to your uh, to your listeners. Oh. Um, but yeah, there's, oh. uh, there's came, lots of information it, on there. It came up in English. I, I yes, I just assumed that it was uh, was an English. Ah. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, they've, they've been fantastic supporters. It's a French broadcaster, Arte France. They've um, uh-huh. very much driving the, the virtual reality side of things as well, and they've been fantastic supporters for us. But um, yeah, it's uh, there's, a, there's a US. So um, say say, well. say the site name again for us. Uh, so that's just blindnessmovie.com. Blindnessmovie.com. I will post that. Yeah. Currently, it's, I've got the RT one up, but I'll, I'll post that one. Uh, as, uh, thank you. As well. And uh, one one last thing. I'm, I just again want to. I want people to understand that this may not sound like exactly, you know, a date movie kind of for a lot of people. But I'm telling you, I'm just letting you know that it, this is a deeply affecting film. I, I, and I, I watched it and, and I, you know, I watched it again. And, and it, it's hard to come away from it without uh, not only a greater understanding of what it is to be blind, but also the human spirit. And there's just so mm-hmm. many things about John and the way the story is told and Marilyn and the circumstances of his life and this this painful trip to to see his parents in Australia in terms of just sort of reconciling you know his life but it was it became kind of a a threshold that we he crossed over from which is it's all very at the end of the day it's all very um uplifting because of John and because of Marilyn and because of the way that he chose to live his life and it's a shame that he's no longer with us well absolutely um Thank you, Mike. I mean, we, uh, John's account, though it begins, uh, as, though it's motivated by blindness, I think, as you say, it's as much um, an investigation into, you know, how to be a father, how to be a husband, how to be a son, um, and um, the way that John uses this process to, to think about love and, and respect and communication is, uh, is, is, is really what makes, I think, his account so remarkable. First of all, thank you so much uh, for us. Uh, for being here on Film School, the film itself, and and it's been getting tremendous uh, positive reaction all over the world. And uh, it is here at the Lemley uh, Film uh, Theater here in uh, Santa Monica. I should say again, the Monica Lemley Theater here in Santa Monica. And you can see it. Go see it. And uh, I want to thank you again, Peter Middleton and uh, James Spinney. Thank you, co-directors of the film Notes on Blindness. Thank you so much for being here on Film School. Thank you so much for for taking the time to speak with us. Thanks, Uh, Mike. My pleasure. Take care.
You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.